What's happening guys, Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate today for January the 17th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. I hope that this one does find you well and if you are brand new to the show, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I package it in one tight, neat little package and today I got some new lights. So I'm trying to figure out where it looks the best because I can use this remote control to turn them down down slightly and to be quite honest with you I think that's kind of the direction we need to go because man I'm looking overblown but if you're listening to the podcast service that doesn't really matter to begin with still some finagling to be done with this new lighting setup uh, but with that being said today we have a pretty packed roster for video game news because a lot of stuff has happened over the course of the past 24 hours First off, more controversy has heated up surrounding the brand new Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLC uh, that is forcing characters into a traditional marriage if they do play the DLC. On top of that, the Westworld mobile game has been pulled following the Bethesda lawsuit, and this is kind of a follow-up from something we talked about on an episode last week. Bethesda has confirmed that Fallout 76 has been facing some bans for some players after they have accessed a developer-only room. Mortal Kombat 11 has a beta start date, and on top of that, a pretty awesome-looking trailer, if I do say so myself. So we'll talk more about what is happening in the Mortal Kombat universe. GameStop has the potential to bring some more core gaming content after, of course, their uh, downward spiral, to put it lightly, over the course of the past few years. So it's looking like they're going to reinvest in what we all love the most, simply video games instead of a cell phone company, instead of pop vinyl figures and various kinds of coats and, and coffee mugs. I don't want to talk about GameStop. But Netflix is pointing to Fortnite as competition after its price hike because, of course, Netflix is going up by about $2 for each individual type of membership. PlayStation 4 PS Plus members are getting a free PSVR game trial this weekend. I wanted to let you guys know about that. Former Call of Duty developers at Infinity Ward are leaving to start their own studio and they are teasing a brand new game. And to round out today's show, I wanted to talk briefly about the Grand Tour game because it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and I might even flesh it out into its own video later on. Uh, but there is an article talking about the Grand Tour game and how it's a bad game, but an interesting vision for interactive television. So I thought we would go ahead and throw that in there and kind of change up the news coverage, but of course, saving it until the final part of the show. But again, for those that are brand new, welcome on in. I hope you do enjoy what you find. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the main gaming news of the day with our headliner. That is Assassin's Creed Odyssey's director apologizes for forcing characters into a traditional marriage. And the current DLC will not be changed, but future chapters will be mindful of how, quote, we missed the mark, end quote. Assassin's Creed Odyssey's creative director has apologized for a story choice in the game's latest expansion that forces the main character into a heterosexual marriage, undoing the promises of same-sex romance options in the main game and reversing the personal stories some players may have built. And of course, the rest of this does contain spoilers for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, specifically with Shadow Heritage, the second chapter of the Assassin's Creed Odyssey Legacy of the First Blade add-on. 
Now you've paused if you don't want to have that spoiled. Uh, but Jonathan DeMott, in a post on the game's forums, said that despite developers' benign intentions for Chapter 2 of the Legacy of the First Blade expansion, quote, it is clear that we missed the mark. DeMott said the story arc in which either Cassandra or Alexios ends up in a marriage and with a child was meant to link those characters to the lineage of assassins established elsewhere in the series. That means that even if a player refuses the romantic appeals, they still wind up marrying the son if playing as Cassandra or daughter as Alexios of Darius, introduced in an odyssey as a proto-assassin who is the first to use a hidden blade. Alexios slash Cassandra realizing their own mortality, and the sacrifice Leonidas and Myrnie, Marine, I apologize, their grandfather and mother made, before them to keep their legacy alive, felt the desire and duty to preserve their important lineage, demand uh, reason. Our goal was to let players choose between a utilitarian view of ensuring your bloodline lived on or forming a romantic relationship. The gravity of that choice, that is, to biologically perpetuate one's bloodline despite their sexual orientation was not apparent, demand acknowledged. Quote, the clarity and motivation for this decision was poorly executed, he said. As you continue the adventure in the next episode, Bloodline, please know that you will not have to engage in a lasting romantic relationship if you do not desire to. After revealing the game at E3 2018, Ubisoft Quebec developers showcased the player choice of a male or female protagonist, along with the same-sex or different-sex romance options, both first for the 11-year-old series. On the game's subreddit, fans decried the major change in story direction, regardless of whether they had chosen same-sex relationships. Quote, this is just really lazy and dumb on Ubisoft's part, said one. Quote, either stick to linear stories or give us total freedom. This weird in-between bullshit just makes the optional dialogue and choices feel like a complete waste of our time. Quote, being forced into lull here, get a railroaded into a sexual encounter and have a baby. I literally recoiled, wrote another player who said they are bisexual. Quote, that honestly kills any desire for me to play the rest of the DLC. I really have no desire to have a romance plot shoved down my throat in a game that up until now at least gave me the option, said a third. What a poor decision. And the list goes on. Uh, but that's pretty much the general gist of what I'm talking about here today. Uh, because I wanted to include this specific topic in today's show. Uh, quite frankly, because I have some thoughts on the direction that Assassin's Creed is going in general. Uh, and I thought that I would go ahead and share them. So... Assassin's Creed Odyssey, by all stretches of the imagination, is a good game. It is the best Assassin's Creed game that I have played since pretty much Assassin's Creed 2. It is, quite frankly, a very solid entry in the series. With that being said, such a large part of this game is the player choice that people are given. You can literally live the life of whoever you want to live, whether it be Alexios or Cassandra, in whatever way you do so choose. Uh, now, with that being said, to go into a DLC and have that freedom taken away, that's the main issue that I take here. Of course, there are a lot of people that are talking about uh, how this is simply forcing same-sex marriage down people's throats by even including it. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you have people saying that, you know, the traditional style of marriage uh, is being forced down your throat in the DLC and I can also identify with either of those frames of mind but with that being said if you are going to make an RPG where you can literally create your own character and live your own life through the eyes of this individual then you should be able to follow through on that in whatever way, shape, or form you see fit, uh, regardless of any kind of story arc or anything like that. If you give them the option, the players that is, you should allow them to follow through on that uh, throughout the DLC and any other kinds of future content. Uh, now, with all of that being taken into account, I understand where the director was coming from with this, because you do want to be able to tie the overall plot and the overall story uh, into the main line of Assassin's Creed games that does go all the way down to Desmond and other kinds of Assassin's 
lessons and, you know, kind of tied in with the rest of the lore. So I get where they're coming from with this. Uh, but with that being said, I do believe they missed the mark a little bit on this DLC. Uh, now, I have not played the DLC, and will I play the DLC? That's still kind of up in the air. I am still in the middle of the story, uh, even more so towards the beginning of it, so it will be a hot minute before I actually get to the point where I'm looking for DLC. Uh, but I understand where people are coming from with this. However, even more so than just the fact that you uh, can't partake in same-sex marriage or, or you know, any kind of thing like that, uh, you should have the option to if you are going to be embracing this kind of open-world, create-your-own-life RPG style of game. But I digress. Moving on to the next topic of the day, the Westworld mobile game has been pulled following the Bethesda lawsuit. The game shuts down entirely on April the 16th. It's now clear just how Behavior Interactive and Warner Brothers resolved that Bethesda lawsuit over the Westworld mobile similarity to Fallout Shelter, and it's not looking good for the Android theme park contingent. Behavior and Warner Brothers have pulled Westworld mobile from app stores and disabled in-app purchases for the management game. You can still play for now, but it will shut down altogether on April the 16th. The two sides had previously claimed there was an amicable end to the lawsuit. On the surface, though, it appears that Bethesda ultimately held all of the cards in this situation. Behavior wasn't just another developer hopping on a popular trend as you often see in the mobile gaming world. It built Fallout Shelter, and Bethesda accused it of simply recycling material to develop Westworld. Whether or not the claims are true, Behavior faced an uphill and potentially costly legal battle to defend its title. Now, the official statement is as follows, quote, We hope you have enjoyed playing Westworld, and we are sorry to tell you the park is entering a new phase and will no longer be taking applications for new employees. The game will be removed from the App Store and Google Play on January the 15th of 2019 and officially close on April 16th of 2019. As of today, you will no longer be able to make in-game purchases, and if you have any in-game currency, remember to use it before the game goes offline on April the 16th of 2019. Quote, we are sorry to see the Westworld mobile game go and had an incredible time creating new content and events for players to enjoy. We deeply appreciate our community's enthusiasm and participation in the game. We are thankful for all who have supported Westworld and hope that the remaining time with the game will be entertaining. And that's pretty much where our story ends for the day. This one's rough, but not surprising. Now, for those that haven't been following along with where the news has come, essentially, it's a direct copy of Fallout Shelter. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Uh, of course, Behavior Interactive is the company behind the mobile game, and they were the developers, or at least co-developers, of Fallout Shelter, a game which is incredibly popular and pretty much Bethesda's uh, one big hit on mobile at the time. Uh, so, whenever they took that code that made Fallout Shelter the game that it was, they simply applied that to the Westworld skin, and lo and behold, you have the game that you see before you today. Uh, so, if you are somebody who partakes in Westworld on the mobile, uh, then be sure to use up all of your in-game currency before April the 16th, and of course, I believe the game is already taken down from any kind of app store at the time being. But again, crazy to see uh, that this is the actual outcome, though not surprising because you know what happened here. Whenever you see a brand new game come out that has the exact same bugs as an earlier build of Fallout Shelter, a game that was developed by the same company and the same team that made Westworld, it blows my mind. I don't know how they actually lasted this long, to be quite honest with you, because we've been talking about this for nearly a year. Uh, the, uh, I suppose around this coming April or May, one of the two. Uh, very interesting story here. And again, I suppose they had a good run when it comes down to it. Now, moving on to another Bethesda story for the day. Bethesda confirms Fallout 76 bans for accessing the developer room. 
This one's a weird one. So last week, Fallout 76 players discovered that it was possible to access a developer room within the game, which let non-developers produce every item in the game and talk to an unused non-playable character in the room. At the time, it was rumored that Bethesda was banning players who got into the room and agreed to unban them if they explained how exactly they got in. Bethesda has now confirmed that they are banning players who have seen the hidden room. In a statement posted on their Polish Facebook page with an official English translation given to Eurogamer, Bethesda explained that third-party software is required to access the dev room and therefore players are getting banned. Quote, we are looking into accounts where players have obtained items by accessing areas of the game that are not intended for the public, Bethesda wrote. These areas are only accessible to PC players that are using third-party applications to get into these areas. In an effort to ensure the integrity of these characters and accounts, these accounts are being temporarily, temporarily excuse me, disabled pending further investigation. Basically, Bethesda has no idea how people got in, but they believe it to be an intention transgression using software not designed by them and they're looking into how. The developer has since moved the location of the room, but ever persistent players are still finding traces of it, presumably at the risk of a temporary ban. And of course, Fallout 76 is currently out now on the PS4, the Xbox One, and the PC. Weird story. Uh, so for those that don't know about the developer room, essentially, as the article did say, it's this room in Fallout 76 that people got into. And it's strange because there's a human NPC, which hypothetically shouldn't happen because there shouldn't be any human NPCs in the game. And on top of that, as they did say, you can pretty much spawn whatever you want into your game. Uh, this is a big problem because if you can spawn whatever you want, why would you work for anything? Or why would you try? Or all these other kinds of descriptors. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I suppose we'll figure out how people actually got in. If they are using third-party software, will these people ever actually be unbanned? Or is tampering with the validity and the, I suppose, uh, you know, quality of the Fallout 76 experience for themselves and other people considered a permaban-worthy offense? Uh, again, I suppose that's up to the guys over there at Bethesda Games. But hey, right now, uh, wow. Who would have thought a developer room existing in Fallout 76 that is somehow accessible by players? What if they got in just as wandering around and like, hey, look, a room. Wouldn't that be something? That's not what happened. They cheated. They hacked. I guarantee you. Uh, but speaking of getting hacked to death, Mortal Kombat 11 is coming out pretty soon. And there is a brand new start date for the beta that has been revealed as of today. Mortal Kombat 11's community reveal event revealed a lot about the upcoming fighting game, showing off its first gameplay trailer and confirming the rumors that Ronda Rousey will play Sonya Blade and more. The event also confirmed when fans of the franchise will be able to try out its beta, which will go live roughly a month before the game itself releases to the public. As confirmed at the Mortal Kombat 11 reveal event, the online beta will launch on March the 28th and should be available for all platforms. Anyone that wants to access the beta will have to pre-order the game, while an open beta may take place as well, nothing like that has been confirmed at the time of this writing, meaning anyone that wants a guaranteed spot in the Mortal Kombat 11 beta will want to pre-order by March the 28th. It is worth pointing out the beta access is not the only thing Mortal Kombat 11 fans will get with their pre-order. Mortal Kombat 11 pre-orders also include Shao Kahn, which should sweeten the pot for anyone on the fence about pre-ordering the game. And of course, if you don't know Shao Kahn, he's pretty much a verified badass. 
pretty much what it comes down to. But in the meantime, there aren't a ton of details just yet about what the beta will entail. It's unclear if it will let players access the game's entire roster of fighters or if fans would be limited to just a handful of combatants. We also don't know what stages will be available and if the beta will be limited to online multiplayer or if it will also include some kind of content from the story mode. Luckily, with Mortal Kombat 11's release date not too far off, we should learn more concrete details about the beta and the game in general sooner rather than later. And of course, the beta takes place on March the 28th, so fans should be able to expect NetherRealm to reveal plenty more information on what to expect within the next couple of months. And again, the game is launching in full on April the 26th, 2019 for the PS4, PS, uh, excuse me, PS4, I almost said Vita and I was like, what? PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and the PC. Now this game looks beautiful uh, in the most gruesome, gory, disgusting, ripping way. I love Mortal Kombat to death. There is something about this franchise that just connects with me. And um, I'm not good at fighting games. I'm not somebody that is really a big competitor uh, when it comes to fighting games. And I'll occasionally watch the Street Fighter portion of EVO. But with that being said, something about Mortal Kombat 11 blows my mind because the fatalities are so fatal they're so gory they're so just testosterone filled ripping oh it's so good uh, but with that being said will i be diving into the beta probably not because i won't be buying this game since i'd rather just watch people that actually know how to play the game rip and tear instead of me getting my hands dirty uh, but cannot wait to see what goes on whenever the beta does drop on march the 28th of 2019 also to alan in the chat Welcome on in. And oh yeah, Raiden is a bad guy now. Rip. There is Dark Raiden, of what I understand, to go back to it. So Raiden is still in the game, but there is another alternative skin slash alternative character, which is Dark Raiden. So it's essentially like uh, Dark Link and regular Link, where they're just the same, but, but opposites. So there is a bad Raiden, but he's also a good guy as well in the game. It gets complicated. It's a lore thing. Don't ask me. But talking more about GameStop... They might reinvest in core gaming content after $700 million spring mobile sale. Thank God they dropped that company because that was looking pretty gross. GameStop will use proceeds from the recent $700 million sale of its spring mobile business to reduce outstanding debt, repurchase shares, or reinvest in the core gaming and collectibles business. The company announced the completion of the sale for the mobile company, which owns and operates 1,289 AT&T wireless stores on Wednesday. Spring Mobile was purchased by Prime Communications. Quote, we are pleased to successfully complete this transaction and begin 2019 with an increased focus on the video game industry and the rapidly growing collectible space. These are areas where we are well positioned to leverage the GameStop brand and capitalize on our competitive position, said Dan DeMatteo, executive chairman of GameStop's board of directors. GameStop, along with its board of directors and outside financial advisors, will continue to conduct an ongoing review of strategic and financial alternatives to boost shareholder value. This review will also determine exactly how proceeds from the sale will be used. The first, or excuse me, the company first entered into a definitive agreement to sell off Spring Mobile business in November of 2018, but despite the large brick and mortar games retailer in the US, the company has struggled with its relevance in an area of digital game sales and popular online retailers like Amazon, which offers more competitive pricing and direct shipment to consumers. 
So uh, this is a fantastic step in the right direction. If you have not been following along with the GameStop trend over the past, I would say, two to three months, uh, it has not been looking good. They continue to pretty much be bleeding money. Uh, the holiday season did help them kind of take a step back and really uh, refinagle the way that they were. But at the time being, they're still not looking in to be in the best position uh, when it comes to looking forward towards the next five to ten years. Ultimately, people are asking if GameStop will still be around. Uh, so to see them sell off this mobile company, which for some reason they purchased a couple of years back, is a great move. Now, the next big step, in my opinion, is to cut back on the amount of collectibles and the amount of focus you are placing on these collectibles and T-shirts and coffee mugs and stuff like that, uh, because... I just don't know if there's a market for that. I know that that was a big part of why they were bleeding so much money is that you do have all this merchandise just shoved into these little stores that people aren't buying. I mean, whenever I go into my GameStop that's probably about 20 minutes away from me, I walk in and there will literally be a giant clearance rack of t-shirts, of coffee mugs, of of everything you could possibly imagine. A Minecraft wall torch. Uh, I'm trying to think of other th hats. A whole bunch of these terrible looking hats. So much like random shit that is just laying there in a clearance bin uh, that blows my mind. Why would you even want that to begin with? At the same time, is it going to be able to survive as a store that only sells video games? Like, can you just literally line the store with consoles and video games and still have that same level of success uh, that you saw back in the early to late mid 2000s, whatever you want to call them? I don't know. You know, that's the big kind of up in the air question. So where do you hit it in the middle? You know, where do you balance collectibles with quality merchandise? Where do you balance full on gaming, I guess, embracement, if that's a word, uh, and looking towards the future as more games are bought digitally and what can you sell in place of physical games? These are all big questions that they're definitely wrestling with behind the scenes of GameStop right now. And again, I don't have an answer. I'm just a dude in college. Uh, so we'll see what happens with GameStop over the next few years. But as for right now, glad to see they got rid of this spring mobile business because that one was a big mistake in my honest opinion. Now, Fortnite's massive, and it seems like Netflix is taking notice because Netflix has pointed to Fortnite as competition after its price hike. Not even mentioning HBO or, I don't know, another video streaming platform, just my two cents. Uh, but just days after revealing higher prices coming to customers in the U.S., Netflix is revealing its Q4 2018 results, and it's already looking to the future. While a few years ago, Netflix was the Albi Albanian army excuse me, uh, coming to take on HBO, executives said in a letter to investors that we can complete excuse me we compete with and lose to Fortnite more than HBO that's weird let's go back again quote we compete and lose to Fortnite more than HBO in fact Netflix claims it's not focused on any of the competition whether Disney Plus Amazon Hulu or NBC Universal's new entry as much as it wants to provide a good experience for customers interestingly this is also the first quarter where Netflix had limited insight into its subscribers by region now it only reports paid accounts globally instead of breaking out the US and also mentioning the number of free accounts while it had anticipated reaching 137 million subscribers worldwide the count is up to 139 million however revenue fell just short of expectations as far as that price hike it's the largest ever netflix confirmed that it's already in effect for a new account and will roll out to existing customers across q1 and q2 
In order to justify a higher rate, it looks like you'll see a lot more original content and also possibly a few reruns or fewer reruns, excuse me. In the letter, it said, quote, we're becoming less focused on second run programming, although it also said the company would pay top prices for it when studios, networks and producers are willing to sell. And so they go on to talk more about this Netflix story. But as for right now, interestingly enough, it looks like Fortnite is actually the biggest competition that Netflix has right now. Not shocking, just considering how much people actually spend on Fortnite and also how much time they spend playing Fortnite because there are many, many adults that dive directly in uh, to what Fortnite is bringing to the table. So it's not shocking to hear this, but at the same time, is it completely and totally valid? You know, I think the HBO and, and Amazon is the true competition here. I think these two companies are the ones that are really bringing it to Netflix in a way. Uh, so, hey, if you want to compete with Netflix, start up a Battle Royale game. You hear that, Tencent? Ring of Elysium taking on HBO Go. Mark my words. Now, for those that are invested in PSVR or VR in general or even interested in the tech, then you might want to pick up a headset because this weekend you get a free trial of a pretty solid looking PSVR game. Firewall Zero Hour is free for all PlayStation Plus members for a limited time. Free games are always good, and PlayStation Plus members can try an extra one out for a limited time soon. This weekend, the PS4 shooter Firewall Zero Hour is free for anyone with an active PlayStation Plus subscription, though you'll also need a PSVR headset to play. Firewall Zero Hour launched in August of 2018 to a positive reception. The tactical shooter is multiplayer-based, pitting squads of four against each other. It ordinarily cost $40 US, so to be able to play it for free is quite the deal. The offer is valid from January the 18th until the 20th, and of course, it goes up alongside January's free PlayStation Plus games that have, you know, some pretty solid, I think it's steep, and then you have Portal Knights as well on the PlayStation 4. Uh, so... If you did want to dive in and check out some PSVR content, uh, then this is the perfect opportunity to do so because quite frankly, this is the best looking PSVR game out there when it comes to how they actually take advantage of VR tech. As you can see by this gameplay, it's literally a first person shooter uh, in the VR space. And is it the cleanest looking game? No, and you know, it doesn't look like Rainbow Six Siege by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but considering it's taking advantage of this type of technology, that's amazing to me. And it's something that has been very uh, intriguing to, to watch over the years as VR content has gone from being something that looks fine uh, to being something that genuinely looks like a step towards the future. Uh, now, again, this is running on a PlayStation VR. This is not the HTC Vive. Uh, this is not the Oculus Rift. This is something that is running on a PlayStation 4. And if you ask me, that's pretty impressive. Again, the textures, eh, the sky textures, eh. Mm, but still a solid looking game. So if you did want to check it out for free, again, for free between January the 18th and the 20th, plug in that PSVR, dust the dust off and give it a shot. Uh, but speaking of first person shooters, former Call of Duty developers at Infinity Ward have started their own studio and they're teasing a brand new game. Kent Gamble, former engineer with Infinity Ward, will be head of the new indie studio Winterborn, joined by artist and designer Moody Hamo, who has worked on various Call of Duty titles. The Winterborn studio is already a working 
or excuse me, is already working on a brand new game. Although it doesn't sound like it will be taking much inspiration from the team's past experience with Call of Duty or first-person shooters generally. Instead, the team is in development of a new tactical RPG title, something which Gamble has had in mind for 12 years. Quote, it's been a dream of mine to make the kind of game I grew up on and I love tactical RPGs. They're not the first Infinity War developers to split away from the studio that created classics such as Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare 2 and try and forge their own path. Former devs at Infinity Ward, Vince Zampella and Jason West, famously left the Fame studio after the release of Modern Warfare 2 due to a legal dispute with Activision and founded Respawn Entertainment, a company that is currently developing a brand new Star Wars title and of course has famously been working on the Titanfall franchise over the past few years. Uh, now, some of the other devs who left Infinity Ward along with Zampella and West have now returned to the studio and COD fans are excited at the prospect of Modern Warfare 4 potentially releasing in late 2019 with some of the original crew back in charge of the ship. 2016's Infinite Warfare was the last COD title released by the studio and was met with a negative reception from fans who felt it was too futuristic in its setting, netting the reveal video millions of dislikes. And we are cautiously optimistic, they say, for Infinity Ward's 2019 offering. And I am also cautiously optimistic. Now, with that being said, uh, interesting to hear that a brand new indie studio has been uh, spinning off from Infinity Ward. Now, as somebody who grew up on Call of Duty and grew up loving Infinity Ward, I wish them the very best of luck. Weird to hear that it's not a FPS or a shooter in general, but still, hey, you make what you want to make. Games are art and you have a vision. So go out there and do your do. Now, to round out today's show, I wanted to add in a bit of a discussion uh, because the Grand Tour game is a bad game, according to Eurogamer, but it is an interesting vision for interactive TV. There are three unwise men, of course, and those are the host of the Grand Tour game. Now, I could read through this entire article, but essentially what they're saying is that the game is a budget game coming from Amazon Game Studios that is literally a direct collaboration with season three of the Grand Tour, which is available on Amazon for free if you have Prime. Uh, now, it's a 12 euro download, which I believe is right around 15 bucks, a little bit less. Uh, and right now, the game is not looking that great. I'll be the first to admit that. I checked out some gameplay. It is no... Project Cars. It is no Gran Turismo. It is no Forza Horizon by any stretch of the imagination. But what it is, is a game that literally is a episodic racing game that launches alongside new episodes of the show. So essentially every week, if I remember reading correctly, uh, you get a brand new episode of what is going on in the Grand Tour. And so whatever happens in that week's show on Amazon, you can literally play that in the game itself. Now, that's very cool. And that's kind of the point that I want to make here is that is this a grand tour video game? Yes. Is it a bad game? By a lot of people's definitions, you could say that. However, the concept that it brings to the table, the fact that you can play a game every week after you finish watching an episode of the Grand Tour is almost like if you were watching something like uh, Deadliest Warrior and you were able to play whatever that was in Deadliest Warrior on a game console itself, which of course Deadliest Warrior did have a game, but it didn't release in that kind of same fashion. And that would have been very cool back on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. 
Uh, now, the people over at Eurogamer, uh, specifically Ali Welsh, has also drawn some comparison between uh, what's happening with the Grand Tour game and Black Mirror episode Bandersnatch, which is essentially a choose-your-own-adventure style of game uh, where you do have some kind of interactivity with the audience as compared to just sitting there and watching a movie or a TV show. And I see the comparison here, but at the same time, there's something about the Grand Tour game and the way that you interact with it, the way that you literally play whatever you just watched in the episode. That's a different kind of concept and that's something that I really want to see more of going forward. Now, could you charge $60 for this game? Absolutely not. Uh, this game is not worth $60. It will never be worth $60. You can take that and forget it. However, the concept of it is what's novel. The idea behind it is what I love. And so if you did want to dive in and give it a shot, again, it's up on Amazon right now uh, on the PS4 and the Xbox One, if I remember correctly. And uh, of course, again, around 15 bucks, so not incredibly bad, but fans of the Grand Tour might enjoy it uh, because, of course, you do have Jeremy Clarkson and the, uh, the other two Stooges uh, out there doing car things doing car things I described uh, but still a cool idea that I wanted to kind of give my two cents on with that being said that rounds out today's episode of caffeinate if you enjoyed today's show be sure to drop me a like down below and if you happen to be brand new to the show again I hope you do come back five days a week Monday through Friday around 7 p.m. Eastern time to catch the hottest gaming news of the day if you're watching on the YouTube version of the show later on I appreciate you as well and hope you click that subscribe button to stay up to date on not only the show but also the videos uploaded on the weekends and you can always follow me over on Twitter at PrettyChillGuy if you want to stay up to date with memes in my life and other things that I do. Uh, but with that being said, you guys have a fantastic rest of the night. I'm going to go fix my lighting because it's a little bit overblown. I'm kind of blind right now. I won't even lie. Peace.